What's up? My name is Connor, and I am now officially a half-distance triathlete. Here's the story of how I became one. I am just a terrible swimmer. So I want you to let I just want to let you in on the story of how I became or how I got through this uh, this triathlon and what it means to me. So in order to really give you my ending insights, I need to start from the beginning. So how I got there. So I'm from the Madison Heights area, Michigan. It's about 45 minutes directly, uh, directly west, a little like northwest of Detroit. I drove from my house to Grand Rapids. So I'm get, I get to Grand Rapids and uh, basically I immediately go to a test swim practice in the same lake that I'll be racing in the next day. And I found out maybe the day before that it wasn't going to be wetsuit legal for the race. Now, this didn't really discourage me. I was still going to use a wetsuit, but I wanted to try to see if I could swim without a wetsuit, and it went horribly. Absolutely horribly. What's up? So, just finished the uh, swim practice. Lake is looking gorgeous. I am just a terrible swimmer. So the race isn't going to be wetsuit legal, but I'm just going to wear one anyway because... I am quite literally like, I'm made for land. I'm not made for water. And even in a 300 meter swim, I just was like panicking. So, wetsuit it is. You know, I really gave it my honest best shot to swim without a wetsuit and it just wasn't effective. It wasn't good for me. It didn't, this is my first triathlon. I was, I mean, not gonna lie, I'm petrified, I'm terrified. So to have a wetsuit, to have that extra buoyancy in the two mile or like the 1.2 mile swim was a, it meant a lot to me to have that because I just didn't want to feel like I was going to drown. So after doing that swim, that test swim, I knew right then and there that I was just going to forego any type of like, you know, I wanted to be this like official Titan or whatever. And I just thought, Oh, if I'm not a, you know, if I'm in a wetsuit, you know, that I'm foregoing like being an actual Titan. Well, no, like it's literally just the difference of a few degrees, but you're still doing all the same work as everybody else. So if you're a first time triathlete and you're doing a, a full or half distance and it's not wetsuit legal, but you're still within the parameters to wear one up to, I think, 83 degrees, do it. If, if you're not comfortable in the water, do it. Do whatever makes you comfortable. So after the test swim... I was definitely still very scared and I was scared because of the the water, like everything else was kind of out of sight, out of mind. I just knew that I was going to be okay. But with the water, I was like, this is, this could go very poorly. <laughs> um, last thing I wanted to do was to get a DNF because I was about to drown or something. So, you know, after thousands of meters of swimming in a pool, and doing some outdoor swimming, you know, I came in as prepared as I could be. And that still, for me, wasn't enough peace of mind. Anyway, so I, I get past the practice swim and I go to pa uh, to packet pickup. And packet pickup is this really great way for 
the race to run smoothly the next day. So I go to pack and pick up. I pick up my tracker. I pick up how I need to mark my my body with a Sharpie for all my numbers. Um, I'm getting like how I need to put all my numbers on my bike and I get my bib. So got all that out of the way. And yeah, it was super, super smooth. After pack and pick up, I did one last test bike ride. Look at my hair. So that is the uh, last bike ride training session ever for this, this this race. So it's a bit bittersweet, but um, check it out. We match. Yeah. So um, pretty stoked. Got six miles in just to get the blood through the legs, and um, let's go eat some food. So I just did six miles easy, about a half hour. After doing the bike ride, I drove back to the race venue and dropped off my bike. And this is where, again, how the race runs smoothly on race day is you set up your bike the day before. And so I set up my bike. I left my shoes there, my helmet, and yeah, they leave it locked up for the night. And uh, you don't have to bring it in the morning. You just show up to race day, ready to go. So after that, uh, met up with my parents later on. We got our stuff into our hotel, and then we went out to Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids is a beautiful city. We were able to go and have some dinner uh, at um, a restaurant, get some dessert at uh, one of the nice hotels in the middle of the city along the riverfront, and... Yeah, that was basically the night. Uh, that night, I went to bed around like 8, 30, 9 o'clock, and just I wanted to get as much rest as humanly possible. But um, something that really plagued me was there is that level of nervousness that you get with a race, and that was really affecting how I slept. So I definitely slept deeply, but as soon as I woke up at around 4.30, I was very much awake. I was very much like... You know, I don't normally wake up at 4.30, but I was like, I'm up, I'm ready to go, but I'm nervous. And that was the first thing I felt when I woke up on Sunday, on race day. So by the time the sun was just starting to crest over the horizon, about like 6 o'clock or so, 6.30, um, my dad and I drove out to the venue and basically got all my stuff that I needed for transition and walked from where we parked to the venue by myself. And that's when I knew like I was really sealing the deal. Like I, I was taking my steps into somewhere that nowhere else, nobody else could go. It was kind of like one of those things where it's just like you're walking into the pan and you're about to like feel the fire. So it was definitely getting real very quickly. Um, just the raw emotions was super, it was actually super comforting to feel raw human emotions such as fear or worry but it was also one of those things where it's like you know I was so grateful I felt this gratitude very early on that I was very grateful for being able to have the time to do this activity so yeah I I go to the venue and I'm setting myself up, talking to a few of the competitors. A lot of people were definitely feeling a little bit nervous. Um, but overall, you know, we were just trying to, you know, have a few laughs and 
yeah, we were just trying to like just make things as easy as possible on our minds. So um, after a little bit of waiting um, and a little bit of prep time, uh, I got my wetsuit on and I was one of a few people that had a wetsuit on, but it felt it was definitely kind of a nervous feeling being in a wetsuit when everybody else wasn't. But you just in those moments where you see so many people that are in an environment that they're used to and you're not, it can feel very weird to go against the grain, to do the thing that not everybody else is doing. But if there's something that I'm learning very quickly from the triathlon community, it is that you can't care about what other people think of you. You can't care about what other people are going to say. Like it's just you and it's just yourself out there. And you know, there's other competitors around you, but like you're, it's your race and you might meet some people along the way, but it's your race. Nobody else got you here. Nobody else is going to do the race for you. It's just you. So that, that was, that resonated with me pretty quickly, even before the swim. And so, yeah, basically they, they had the half distance triathletes that didn't have a wetsuit. They loaded these uh, people up ready to go for the swim and then the wetsuit individuals would go behind the slowest swimmers without a wetsuit. So I lined up and I met just this really awesome guy, Montana, and his name is Montana and he's from the Grand Rapids area, I think. And um just like a really like he's like one of those people where he's like you you say to yourself, I I've met you before. But it was like, like he reminded me so much of somebody else that I knew in my life. Um, so it was really comforting to see somebody like that. And so I asked him a few questions and then finally I just get around and it was like, uh, you know, we're just talking about the triathlon and I go, when did you sign up? And he's like, I signed up last Sunday. So a week before without like any major, basically no training, he said, I'm going to do this half Ironman, whatever it takes. <laughs> and I was blown away by just this. It wasn't necessarily an impulsive decision, but it's, it definitely was not like a thought through decision. It was just like, I'm going to sign up for this and I'm going to, I'm going to trek through it no matter what. I mean, that's some serious grit and that's the kind of community of people that I like to be around. These people that just like to test their metal. So I'm with Montana and I'm with the rest of their wetsuit guys. And finally I load up in the stall and I just realize all of a sudden like, oh shit, this thing is about to start like two years of training, um, two years of like weight in a holding pattern. And it all starts here on this beach. It was like a, it was like a reverse D day having everybody go into the water from the beach that we were on. So three, two, one, go land in the water. And immediately it settles in that I'm going to be swimming for a long time and it's going to be really hard. <laughs> and, you know, you can do as much pool work as you want, but without a, a very clean lake around me, it was hard for me to find time to do some open water swimming. So being in this really clear lake, I was so grateful to be swimming in a clean lake with a bunch of other great people. I, it was just such a gratifying experience being in this beautiful lake and being around a bunch of people that I could definitely, um, I could relate to. And yeah, I, I make it to the first buoy and in, in, in this course diagram, it, it's, it's kind of like a big triangle. You go out to one buoy 
and then an out and like up and out to another buoy and then you make a straight line back to the beach and so i'm just thinking in the back of my head like just make it to each buoy just line up a buoy and make it and so i pass by the olympic turn buoy there's an orange buoy and then a red and then a yellow one and I pass the orange buoy and I just go, man, I'm tired. And I'm like, that means I'm only like up to halfway to the Olympics. So we got a long way to go. So I keep swimming. I keep swimming. I make it to my first yellow buoy and I grab onto a kayak. And I'm just like, whew, that, this is, this is rough. <laughs> and I just said like, where's the next buoy in my head? And then I realized that I had actually said it out loud. I, I, I was thinking out loud. And then the kayak is just pointing. He's like, oh, it's right over there. And I'm like, okay, cool. So all I'm saying to myself is make it to the next boat, make it to the next boat. So I make it halfway to the next yellow buoy, grab onto a kayak. And at this point, I just realizing like, you just got to daisy chain this man, like do your best. And when you can find rest. So I just find the next boat, find the next boat. And finally I make it to the last or to like the last yellow buoy before you make a straight line back to the beach. And I just grab onto this kayak and I'm just like, shit, it's a straight line. We just got to go. And yeah, basically the whole line back. So the whole line there, I was having a very hard time lining up and sighting. And I was very, very panicked. I was like, I was very much, my heart rate was beginning to really spike. And I was just trying to cool myself off internally. And it was just very hard to keep myself centered. So I just grabbed on this kayak for a little bit extra longer, like maybe like a minute. And I just said peace to the kayaker that was there. And I just, I just set off. And so I just kept, I just kept chugging along this line and I just, I kept on seeing land. And so once in a while, I just literally shout, be like, come on land, come on land. And as I'm making this beeline unbroken to the beach, I begin to say like, I can't believe I get to ride my bike and to run today. And I really felt like I really resonated with, I get to run today because I have been, um, you know, I've been tapering for this event and I just, I felt this gratitude that I got, I got to run and I hadn't run in like two days and I was just like, ah, man, I, I can't wait to do this thing. So, you know, I'm making, I'm making my way to land and it's just, it's pulling up slower and slower. But, you know, finally, uh, after swimming for what felt like an eternity, I start seeing seaweed and I just knew that the shore was there and I'm like, wow, like I made it. So I made it through the 1.2 mile swim at 55 minutes and at this point my my heart rate is up like it should not be where it's at but i'm just like i freaking made it who cares i made it so i make it into transition and very quickly i realize that i made one mistake and that was to not put the heart rate monitor belt around my chest before the race you know, I had done a few practice runs, but I never thought about like my, I've never done any practice in my tri suit. And what I found out with sweating and, and the water that putting on your belt around your chest, you know, during the transition, it took me literally like five minutes to put this belt 
around my chest because I was I was tired and I was I was kind of panicked and yeah just you know t- I wanted this heart rate monitor to make sure that I was staying within the zone um, during my bike race so you know I really paid attention but I was just wet and it was really hard to get it around this tri suit so yeah that was my biggest mistake out of this whole race honestly one of the biggest mistakes I ever made was not putting the heart rate monitor belt around my chest because I could have been at least five minutes less out of transition one. So finally I get everything settled. I go to the bathroom and I sat out on my bike and it was just like, as soon as I got to about mile two or three and like, we were like in the thick of it and we started hitting the rolls and the hills. I just remember like, I was just like, boom, we're going to kick ass. So I just start, you know, I just start making moves and, you know, I really, I really tried to stay patient and within my heart rate zones, my heart rate was up from the, from the swim, but I tried to really bring it back down. So I really stayed in like the 160 range and, you know, I tried to get away from the people that were going to slow me down and keep me away from my race. And so probably about 15 miles in, I really said, I'm in my zone. I have my heart rate where I want it to. And I'm around the people that are um, pushing me in a very constructive way. Like their pace is good for my pace and it's keeping me on track. And the bike was just like, it literally was like just a whirlwind of how it was just so fast. Like half hours were blowing by like minutes. And so the first hour and a half, like we get through the half of the race and I'm like, wow, this is halfway. Like, no way, man, this is going so fast. And I just knew at that point too, that I was really cruising. Um, I wasn't thinking about fatigue. I was just thinking about just get as much nutrition in me as possible. Um, spend as little time down as possible and just, you know, keep your head down, keep yourself on the bars and stay arrow and, and keep moving, keep moving, just keep moving. So, uh, I made it three quarters of the way through. I felt great. Um, you know, I made it into one of the last transition areas and I picked up a, I picked up a, a water and I had a little bit left of my electrolyte blend that I just put more water into my bottle and I just kept moving and I was really, I felt great. And then like one of the most interesting things happens. Um, it's not interesting at all. Actually, it's, it's, it's very typical, I guess, of my life is I get a flat tire at mile 54 of 56. So getting a flat tire, maybe halfway, you know, maybe it's a good way to, um, kind of like you can mentally reset. You're not totally, you know, tired from the race, but, um, yeah, you're just like, I was just, uh, you know, at, at mile 54, you're thinking end game, like let's run, not let's change a flat tire. And the worst part was, is I got a rear flat and, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've changed my front tire twice. I have never changed my back tire. And I did not know how to change a back tire because of the, the the chain that goes on the chain set. So, or the gear set. So I had to learn on mile 54 or 56 of a half Ironman how to change a back tire. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I took my time, you know, I didn't rush. And at that point I knew like I wasn't going to get the time that I wanted out of this half Ironman and I felt great about it. 
honestly, like it, it left, it gave me so much relief knowing that I didn't have to quote, like worry about if I'm going to get the right time. I just said like, bro, you're in it now. Just like go have fun. So, you know, I'm fixing this bike and I'm literally just like kind of singing to myself, like in my head, I'm just like, all right, let's just change this tire. And I remember, uh, you know, I was just like three quarters of the way through the tire. I actually, I basically, I replaced the tube and then I'm, and it was such a flow state, like in changing this tire, I really, it was, it was so crazy how my brain literally felt like I was functioning at its peak because even though I was so tired, I just said like, how would I effectively change this tire? Not knowing anything. And I just worked my way back and I just said like, okay, I'm going to take this apart. So this is how this is looking. Just follow, follow those directions. So you know, I was in such a flow state, just go from point A to point B to point C, point D, and, you know, finally finish the bike in point E. So, uh, I, I get the tube in the tire. I wrap the tire all the way around. And as I'm pumping up the tire, I realize there's a bulge where the, like the piston is out. And I realized that like the tire hadn't been like fully tucked into the, the wheel well. So I had to like release the air and then reinflate the tire. So just overall, like, you know, every bit of time that was spent out on that, that, that tire replacement, you know, it was like a solid 20 minute replacement. Um, it was a necessary amount of time. And you know what? Like, I, I don't feel bad about my decision either about two miles from the end of the race. You know, why couldn't I muscle my way to the finish line? Well, my legs were starting to cramp. It was starting to get really humid, starting to get really hot. And if I try to muscle this, this dead tire two miles, my legs were going to cramp up so bad. I wasn't going to be able to run. So I took the 20 minutes to really calm myself down, get the tire done and yeah, fix it up. And by this point, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what the hell my parents think are happening to me. Like, you know, I'm cruising and then I just stop. So I, you know, they're probably wondering like, how come I'm finishing at three forty-five, three hours and 45 minutes instead of three hours and 15 minutes. And so, you know, my dad was able to figure out through me talking with the transition guy that was at transition that I was like, you know, that I had gotten the flat. So I'm going in through T2 and it was at this point that I'm like, all right, I just got to decrease the amount of time that I'm transitioning. So I took about five minutes to really collect myself, get my shoes on and, you know, I was out the door. Um, and it was at this point that I said, like, I have to run half marathon and at that point my legs were pretty shot and it was humid but I knew in the back of my head like I'm not gonna cramp like I have my nutrition right and I did have my nutrition right but for different conditions it wasn't humid it wasn't it wasn't not as humid um in my training sessions as it was during this day and that was the deciding factor um with how my run went so the first three miles I felt great I was really starting to find my stride and then on the three miles back, the sun came out. And when the sun came out, it got hot. It was like 87 degrees and humid. It was like Florida, like like hot Florida. And I just remember I just started getting like a can of worms in my calves, just, just cramping like so hard in my calves. And I just knew like I either have to deal with this or I'm going to just cramp up and fall over on this race course. So... Yeah, I'm 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 basically run walking at this point on mile like four or five, and 
I end up hearing this guy going, were you the guy with the flat from behind me? And I turn around and I'm like, yeah, I was the guy with the flat. And he's like, that's a damn fine recovery. And I'm like, thanks, man. Like, you seem to be going the same pace as me. You just want to like run this thing together? And he's like, absolutely, no problem. Like, let's just get it done. Because I think I'm in the same place as you. Like, are you cramping? I'm like, I'm cramping. And he's like, all right, like, let's just get it done. So I befriend this man in the middle of this race. And I've come to find his name is Eric. Just a super solid dude. And we make it all the way to the turnaround to where we know that we have six miles left. And it was at this point, like, where we both just go, like, all right, man, like, we got six miles. Like, let's just keep going. So we would just line up, like, all right, mailbox assigned. Yeah, mailbox assigned. We would just, or, you know, we'd be like, shade gang. And we were just like, let's just walk in the shade and then run in the sun. And we'll just, that way we'll cool off effectively. And so we were, we were able to average without really looking at my watch, 1145 miles for the last six miles. Um, and it was kind of, it was very interesting to see how we were able to really make a consistency out of our times through inconsistent running, like where we were basically run walking. Um, but it was really at that point where I was, I just was so grateful and I knew it was, it was so serendipitous. I was just like, I started this thing alone. I started this thing where I felt so isolated and I'm ending this race with somebody like a, like a brother in arms to this very human experience. And I just, at that point I knew like I had found something that was very human and something that was beyond politics. It was beyond business. It was beyond all these like superficial characteristics or things that people can get involved with. And like, this was not just a sport that this was like, I, I really tapped into the core of why people do these endurance sports. And it's not for the time. Like the time is great, but what's great. What's even better is to say like, I put my effort and my all into this activity and the amount of gratitude, the amount of just the amount of vitality from this one event in this seven hours working hard that you get, you know, instead of worrying about times, instead of worrying about how fast you can go and worrying about what the best bike is and what the, you know, what the best wetsuit, like instead of asking all those questions, instead of asking questions, you just let the answers come to you. You didn't even have to ask anything. You just received a lot of wisdom from the experience. And that was my biggest takeaway is that life is meant to be lived. Life is meant to be, life is meant to be spent curious, but in motion that we should always be moving. We should always be trying our, our darnest to, to, be different than we were the day before, because if we're in the same place that we were yesterday, we're not moving forward. In fact, we're moving backwards. So, you know, at the end of this race, we're, we're one aid station away from the end. And I just look at him and he looks at me and we're just like, all right, we just got to get this thing done. But like, you know, it's going to feel good. And I just remember running into that, that area that like my family was going to be there. And I remember, yeah, like I had just run like a half marathon in the in the smoking heat and after doing a swim that I never thought I was I was going to be able to do and doing a bike race exactly to the T how I wanted to do it minus a flat. I you know, I had accomplished two goals already that I wanted to accomplish. So the marathon was really just cake. 
And I went across that finish line feeling absolutely grateful and accomplished. And I realized that the time did not matter to me, that in fact, the action of crossing that finish line was all that mattered. And I just thought back to two years ago where I was just this like alcoholic idiot. <laughs> this guy this is just this dude with long hair. Um, nothing against long. I love long hair, but just this dude that like really was trying to figure out where he needed to go, what he wanted to do, really finding direction. And in two years I had found this guy in me that I think was always in me. And I just continued to not listen to him for so long because other people were telling me things to do that serve their own selfish interests. And instead I found something that works for me and I found something I've tapped into my inner voice and it's left me healthier. It's left me stronger. It's left me more informed and it's ultimately left me so grateful for everything that's come into my life over the last two years Continue to cultivate relationships and to accept gratitude in your life. Be gracious. Give yourself grace and be grateful for the things that you're allowed to do because we get one life. We get one life. And if we have this very short, finite amount of time on this earth and this vessel of ours, that we should do something awesome with it. We should do something that people don't get to do every day. Most people don't get the time every day to do seven, eight hours worth of hard work, um, you know, in, a, in, a, in an exercise fashion. You know, I, I left this chapter in my life, I would say is I get to do this. I get to bike. I get to swim. I get to run. I get to be active and I get to be healthy. Instead of saying, I can be healthy or I have to be healthy or I have to be fit or I have to swim or I have to bike or I have to run. I got to run, swim, bike, eat healthy. I got to do all these things and I'm so grateful for that. And if there's a message that I could leave with you, leave within you from this experience is this, is what are the things that you're grateful in your life? You know, what are the things that when you turn the volume down and you're, you turn the lights off and it's just you sitting there in bed or in your chair or wherever, and you're thinking about your life, what are those things where you get to say like, I get to do this thing? Because that's the thing you should tap into. That's the thing that if you're questioning your life in any way, shape or form, if you feel like you are just living a shell of a life that you think you should be living you should tap into whatever that voice is saying because that voice is obviously calling you to be more human. And I think I think it is a disservice to yourself to not listen to that voice. I listened to that voice two years ago when it said, you should do that really hard thing. Like, you know what? You should sign up for this half Ironman. I don't know how to do an half Ironman. Figure it out. And what I've been left with is an experience where I'm certified in nutrition. I'm eight months sober. Um, I'm a half distance triathlete. And most importantly, I'm continuing to build and cultivate a community around health and education. And that's so important to me. 
outside of any job, any career. It's fulfilling to me to see how many people wished me well, wished me success, or wished me happiness on my race before and after the race. So important to have those around you that support your goals and dreams. And if if you have people around you that are continuing to put you down or don't engage with you in any shape or way, shape or form, those people are not adding to, to your life. They're just, they're transacting from your life. And I think it's important that you clean house. These types of activities, these types of events, these are the things that really call into action what is the thing that makes you feel most human. And I think I think that's just the, one of the coolest things you can do. I think, I think it's what we're all called to do, and we're all told to not tap into it enough. We, we, there's a very scarce amount of there's a very scarce amount of communication out there that actually tells us, hey, go out and do this very human thing. And instead, just shell yourself away or, 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 you know, don't do, don't live outside your limitations. No, visualize your limitations and blast straight through them. Because every day that we step outside of our comfort zone, we come, become more human. We become more ourselves. You should never be living as the same person that you were yesterday that you should be continuing to take steps in the direction of something bigger and something better and something that's bigger than yourself. This Iron Man started isolated, but it is left with a community on Instagram of people that have been so supportive and have been so, I'm just so thankful for those people that have been around me. I'm thankful for the family members that I didn't even know were watching me, you know, are telling me thank you. I, you know, even my mom is posting me, posting about me on Facebook. But like these people that barely know me and they're wishing me well. Like whatever you're doing in life, people are watching. And I think it'd be really cool if there's something in your life that you want to do, you should do it because people are watching. People want to see you succeed. People want to watch you be happy. So that's all I got. That's my story of doing a half-distance triathlon. That's my story of how I found me. I think I found something that makes me me, and I don't ever want to. I don't want to look back um, and 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 think about what if I did this or I did this differently or I did this differently. No, I'm looking forward, and I'm looking to the future and to what I'm going to accomplish next. And I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring that out right now, what I want to do next, but um, whatever it is, it's going to be one of those things that, that screams, wow, that's like really out of your comfort zone. But those are the things, again, that are making me the most human that I could ever be. So I'm excited for that next step when I find it. But until I find that next thing, until I start working on that next thing, I hope you can find something that you're grateful for in your life. I hope you find success. I hope you find a community around you for that thing that you love to do. And most importantly, I hope you never quit on yourself. I will not quit is a phrase we tell ourselves. It's a 
vocalization of an internal argument with our consciousness saying we should stop. When we push past that barrier and we say, I will not quit. When we persevere, we begin to tap into our own true human potential. So with that, I bid you adieu. My name's Connor, and I will catch you all very soon.